Well, it's a dynamic duo, we'll be back again. Another backup DJ, you better pack it in. You're lacking sense, trying to tangle with us. Scoop of a big black boogies in the back of the bus to smack you. You're stealing your lunch, money to search. Ready to feel like just a touch. Only by the end of the day, that's understandable. What can I say? You got strong man to be. Mind, mind, Rolls podcast fucking. It is, it is. I enjoyed my week off. Uh, glamorous Port Macquarie. Actually, Port Macquarie is really nice, I have to say. It's all right. It's it's a bit boomery, but well, it's all right. We did find a coffee spot on the beach, and it was under like a SE rescue building, but it had like a nice boardwalk and stuff where you could sit and get, have your coffee and look at the water, and you know, it's pretty good. And there was a bench seat, and just as we were getting our coffee, two people got up and left, and Joe and I, oh, sweet. Sit on this, lean against the wall. Is this your ass coach? My ass coach, yes. I need a coach for my ass. Um, and as soon as we sat down, the the boomer that was sitting on the end of the bench just absolutely just let us have it about fucking property and you know you if you can't afford your mortgage, you should work two jobs and just like you could you couldn't have. Like they were just waiting for a younger person yeah, to turn yeah. up so, so they could punish just, them with like, with chat. Joey and I are trying to actually fucking like talk some shit out from the day before, and so sort of politely responding and then getting our stuff in. Anyway, he gets up and leaves. And we're like, oh, thank fuck for that, man. That dude talked our ear off. And then two seconds later, another old geezer walks past, sits down, and he had even better takes. He was like. Rugby league isn't a real game. Boxing's the only sport that you can tell that's real. <laughs> We're like, what the fuck? And we get up and walk it's away. Like, you're not going to enjoy like, the. We don't, we don't even play rugby league. We, 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 We're like, was, that, was there a, like, an invisible, didn't want to explain to him what you guys invisible sign that, you know, if, if you're a person under 60 and you sit down on that on that chair, you're fucking fair game for every boomer that it's, wants to talk it's to you. It's just the Gen X Punisher couch. All you, all you get if you sit down there is get fucking talked at by fucking old mates who bought a house for 30,000 bucks. Yep. Anyway, so in-season tournament. Speaking of money, speaking yeah. of 50,000 bucks, 500,000 bucks, looks like we got ourselves a Lakers Pacers final. The, the thing I find fascinating about it, and it's, it's like an unintended consequence that, you know, the NBA definitely hasn't thought of because they think in money terms, not in sort of team building and coaching terms. But if you're the front office of uh, the Pacers and the Pelicans, don't you have a really different view on this trade deadline now? Like, if you're the Pacers, you're like, oh, we got our guy, you know? Like, yes. you stress tested in a, a smaller sample environment, but you actually... Like you, you, you would be pretty sure that you know you have the guy. You don't need. I mean, to- what leads you to that conclusion? Apart from the fact that he got twenty six, ten, thirteen against the Celtics, and then twenty seven, <laughs> seven, and fifteen against the fucking Bucks in knockout games. Jesus Christ! Yeah, against two teams that were sort of seen as you know certainties for the Eastern Conference Finals. This is uh, international listeners. This is Tyrese Halliburton, the one last hope for the American point guard. It feels a bit cliche to say this is the Tyrese Halliburton coming out party, but Jesus Christ, this is um, the moment at which it's kind of annoying that, uh, and I know that, you know, 
if it's trendy to slightly dump on Wemby now that the Spurs have regressed to just being horrible and, and Wemby's just going to totter around learning for a year or three. But Wemby had had, uh, until very recently, more national television regular season games than De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton combined. But Tyrese Halliburton, he is a star now. He is going to be a genuine fucking star of the basketball. And it's about time people got to fucking watch him in standalone, isolated games with nothing on the other channel. Well, like, you know, they might win. What What is it? 200K they're sort of guaranteed now for making the final. I think it's 200K each for the runner-up. Is that right? Yeah. I don't, I don't I suspect that doesn't matter quite so much for a, for a Halliburton. But, um, no, because- It's, it's a ch- chunk of change for your end of the bench, guys. Just- but just um, like the exposure that he would have got, the marketing bump that he's going to get from this is like. When, when have you ever seen this? The Pacers on fucking on on. I don't know. National television doesn't really matter to us because we watch a lot of stuff on on ESPN or or fucking League Pass, whatever. Yeah. But the focus, the spotlight that you get from being on the only game that's on at the moment. I mean, that that was the first time I'd actually watched the Pacers. And not had another game on at the same time, pretty much all year. Yeah, because normally, if you're watching a Pacers game, it's the early, it's the early window. There's like five other games on at once. You're flipping between one and the two. Whereas with that game, it was, it was actually a really good chance to sit down and watch them play and see what. And you hear all the shit about okay, the, they play with a high pace, pace to pace, 150 points a game, and all that sort of shit. But watching the way that that sustained pressure works its its magic on the opposition is quite interesting because they were. I mean, you talk about your fucking seven second or less D'Antoni yeah, teams. Five seconds. Or this less. was a two point seven seconds or less. They were literally as soon as the ball went out of bounds off a um off a Bucks miss, they were up the other end of the, the court laying the ball in. The Bucks were getting a lot of shit and commentary about you know not being set. But I'm not sure how you can no. be set quick enough for this fucking Pacers team because they are so quick. They treat it like essentially like transition out of a turnover, any baseline out of bounds play. They are just so quick. And it is, it's not shit that I can remember Carlisle ever doing before. So I don't know really how we arrived at this. I did like him subtweeting Luca though, you know, talking about how it's all, all the off field leadership stuff and the, you know, how how coachable he is, <laughs> you know. Mm. How nice it's, it's a, is to have a superstar that actually listens to you. Yeah, Luca was a small child when he came over. I mean, I think the the Luca we have today is a different dude to the Luca we came across For sure. in in eighteen. I feel like it's a little unfair, but you know, Carlisle doesn't feel like the sort of dude who you know lets go of grudges. No, yeah, the the fact that they're getting. Like the the belief that they're going to get from this, you know, if they hit a playing game or they hit a first round series, like it's it's just going to be so invaluable. And and then on the flip side, right, the Pelicans is like, do they have a guy? Like I, I saw a really good tweet this afternoon. I don't know that, that, that they've got a really really good three to eight player, right? You know, their third to eighth player is a really really good complementary pieces for pretty much like. Someone said you could drop Jokic or Murray or AD and LeBron or any, you know, Tatum and Brown, any two superstars into that Pelican side and straight away they would be a really, really good side. Yeah. But if your top two players don't give a fuck, it's useless. It doesn't like... Well, it's not not that they... Not even necessarily that they don't give a fuck. It's just that they might not necessarily be top two players on a a league-wide level. 
And you're right, they've got the infrastructure. They've got all the bits for a... Uh, they've got the rhythm section of an <laughs> excellent fucking team. Yeah. But... And the thing is, when they beat um, when they beat the Kings in the the quarterfinal, they dealt with Fox getting thirty and, and a whole lot of big offensive scores. And Zion didn't actually play that well, and they they still handled them reasonably well. But this afternoon against the Lakers, they were never even in the fucking conversation. Like the tweets about Zion's attitude, like sort of moping around the court and you know just letting guys blow by him and not running down and not you know like. All, all, all attitude stuff, not skill stuff. Um, yeah, but t- tweets are based in perception and, and, you know, if somebody has decided that's what they're seeing, then that's what they're seeing. I think, you know. Oh, there was... I didn't see so much of necessarily that watching the game. No, but, I just the, but, felt the, like but that was... The, the Lakers had... The, the Lakers are so fucking keyed up for this. This yeah. is so important well, for them. And there's all this joke about the fact that, oh, yeah, LeBron sees this is something he can win that the MJ hasn't hasn't won. What a fucking ridiculous narrative. No one actually believes that. I can't come up with a better one because he's certainly taking this as serious as a fucking heart attack. I think, I think, the, think that the better take is um, if this is a success, it increases the value of the league and LeBron's going to be an owner soon. Particularly in this, the town that he really wanted to yeah, get to, which is like, the, what town he's currently playing like, in. Like, you know, if they sell this in-season tournament to Apple or Amazon for huge amounts of money, you know, as a standalone project, and that will ha- that's only going to help him in two or three years when he's the owner of the Las Vegas, you know, Jacks or whatever they're going to be called. <laughs> Las Vegas bronze. I think it's, it's he's not even you know going that far ahead. I think he really is just thinking, I want to win things, yeah. and I think I've got a pretty, I've got a better chance of winning this thing than I have of winning the thing at the end of the year when everybody's fucking you know. Well, there's a bit more randomness building. Yeah, the, and he, he isn't he set up for like even even against um, uh, Denver last year, like that last game. What did he have like forty? Like he's really set up to. Like singular or short effort, single elimination games. Uh, like he can get up for that, whereas it was you know a seven game series might be a yeah, bit of a mission. It's just going to wear him down. I, w- I would have preferred Pacers Kings, just because we could have finally decided who won the Halliburton's <laughs> bonus trade. Uh, and I probably would have preferred Pacers Pels because then it would have been that you know coronation of the the team on the rise kind of thing there's a lot of chat around the fact that the pels should be you know they're getting everybody back this is the moment in which the pels will just take off I, I, having 45 points put on you is is probably going to knock that narrative down a bit i would have thought yeah I wonder- uh, but 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 paces paces lakers has a lovely kind of um late 90s feel to it unfortunately it means that reggie fucking miller's going to be involved in commentating it which will probably mean it be unlistenable they did a weird commentary swap this um, in, for these games. They had Reggie Miller from TNT joined the ESPN team for the early game, and then Doc Rivers, who's now with ESPN, joined TNT for the late game. Um, but I think they probably should have just traded Reggie Miller for a pile of sticks and then set the sticks on fire. He's not good at commentary, folks. And, like, has not been good at commentary for quite a while. It's, it's Has never been good at commentary. Like uh, it's a bit weird that one. He's sitting next to Doris Burke, who is extremely good at commentary, and Mike Breen, who is extremely good at shouting at the right time because you need a person who's good at shouting. Yeah. And he was just saying dumb stuff very loudly, which is great. Um, but the, yeah, the IST has generally been a really good showcase for teams that are just about to make that move in a way that playoff often by the end of the season it's a bit late, 
and you know teams have, have got injuries and all that sort of stuff and, and teams don't get rewarded for early success in the same way in the way that they are by this tournament. I don't feel like we need more of these tournaments. This whole chat about let's have multiple fucking in season tournaments seems really stupid. Yeah, like like one one is fine. It's needed for this time of the year because the rest of the time of the year is fine. And also for scheduling, it's a fucking nightmare. I heard um Evan Wash, the guy who does all the scheduling and the guy who came up with the Edlam ending and all all the good ideas that ever, uh, NBA have put in place in the last couple of years came from from basically his office. You know, the amount of downstream chaos that is created by a tournament like this where you've got to keep days set, you know reserved and you're not sure who's moving where and all that sort of stuff and then you have to tidy it all up downstream there's no way you could hold any later in the year because where are you going to have the catch-up games where are you going to make sh- make sure that everyone ends up playing the same number of games against the same number of opponents so um yeah it's it's just fucking weird fantasy land and also the more you do this sort of stuff the less the less interested people will be in it don't don't yeah, cook no. the goose like if we get a really good final, then everyone's going to be hyped for it at the right time of year. Like it's done exact exactly uh, what we wanted it to do. Exactly right. right. It, um, it, it's done the thing that it that it was supposed to do, uh, except for the fact that the courts are horrible. Still horrible. Even the one that they, they designed one from scratch just for this for these the semifinals and finals, and it's horrible. The only thing they've done that was good was that they're only lighting the court. Like normally in a stadium like this, they would have lighting, like that have advertising boards around the fucking the upper decks and all the rest of it. There'd be lots and lots of light, but they are lighting it like a stage show. It's really just essentially just spotlights directly on the stage and nothing else. And that's really dramatic and cool. And I really, I quite like it. Like I admit that the court, I admit that the courts are bad, but I just, I just think that they've done. I actually agree that they should have been over the top this year, and then you can wind them back. Whereas, true, yeah, I understand for the games that are that are being played in amongst all the regular season games. But this is the final. You don't have to make the final court horrible. You know, it's it's just unnecessary. The um, like just that the the big cup in the middle of the thing. Like the other thing is, like whoever they sell this to, you know, there's going to be some more. Corporate synergy branding probably on the yeah, course next year. It'll be fucking Amazon's big stupid curvy arrow. Or yeah, or it'll be the Apple. The Apple will be the center court logo, you know. Um, yeah. and, and like it was funny, I was listening to, uh, which I'm not sure because I know you, you occasionally dip into this feed as well, but Russell Crowe went on um, on TOEFOP this week to, to basically talk. Spoilers! I haven't listened to that episode oh. yet. I didn't. It, it still led as a, left left open as to whether they got Russell Crowe uh, in the episode I, I, description. I apologise, but but they were doing what we do, which is have the production meeting. Is it too awkward to listen to? Because I assumed that if they did get him on, it would be just be awkward as fuck. No, no, it's actually really good. He's a he's a pro. Like a hint from somebody who's had their football team owned by a weirdo for many years. If you're going to have your team owned by a, a weirdo with a lot of money. Pray it's Russell Crowe, because he actually has been a pretty good owner for my football club. Um, Much better than News Limited or Mark Cuban. Yeah. Um, or the Saudi PIF. But the, like they were having their production meeting before it, and they were sort of, you know, Will was saying, well, we, you know, we're going to have to talk about his new band, but that's that's fine. I know how to play the game. And, and, and I sort of feel a little bit like the inevitable corporate sponsorship of this next year. As long as they... Like and and Apple might chip in and go, hey, this this works so well. We want we want everyone to get a million dollars each. You know, let's really raise the stakes on it. 
which um, is which is really not that much in the. I mean, all no. you're talking about is an extra like ten mil on top. It's in terms of the overall value of the of the broadcast agreement, it's actually not that much. And, and especially since that what they've done, I, I the thing that I really like even more than the courts is giving it these windows. Like, there's not ten games on these days. There's these two days, and no. you're getting all these random other NBA journalists going to watch the Pacers play that wouldn't normally go and cover the Pacers. Yeah. So it's got that real NBA Finals feel of, you know, Zach Lowe's there, but, you know, so is HP Basketball and so is- Oh, yeah. Well, fucking, I mean, I mean, I'm saying this is like, it's like one of those family reunions that we that we have. Like, it's a bit like Summer League or something like that, whereas everyone gets back together again yeah. and you- you have you can you can have those sorts of communion. They have that communion and break bread and talk to people and make those connections, which is great for them. But I feel like that's reflected in the quality of the work they do. Um, yeah. So and but that gives it the like not just for like you know every every podcast is going to do a, a pod tomorrow for like either from there or they'll be interviewing someone from there. Yeah. I, I just think it, it it gives a degree of attention. Like I was sort of going back over. Uh, our pods from a year ago and what we were talking about. And it's like, you know, you're almost discussing Christmas games. What's the Christmas game going to be like? You know, is it going to be a letdown? Yeah. It's like it's the start of December because it's like you're in this weird thing where teams have worked out what they are, but they're not finished, right? Because there's trades to come. Yeah. Everyone know there are trades to come. You know, Zach Levine's going to go somewhere. All the Bulls guys are probably going to go somewhere. The Raptors guys could go somewhere. Like, there's still a lot of working out to do. And- but how, how little of it is about actual content on the court? And that's that- that's kind of the thing. Yeah. All of the in-season tournament dialogue is about the basketball that's being played in front of us, not what might happen on the 25th of December, what might happen at the trade deadline, what might happen X, Y, and Z. It's because the way the season is usually set up, they front-load a lot of really good games very early in the season, and then they run a little bit dead because they're scared of football, like NFL and college, for the for, until they get to Christmas where they, they feel they're quite confident. Interestingly, I heard a stat that, that even though a lot of people, you know, a lot of fucking received wisdom is that, oh, the NBA season only starts at, at Christmas and people don't watch until then. The ratings for regular season games are about the same in November as they are in, you know, February, March. There's not not really a huge difference. Yeah. People will watch a game just to watch it, a game. It's a narrative to, thing more than yeah, anything it, else. It, it's, it's more a, um, an NBA observer narrative than it is a NBA fan narrative, if that makes any sense. But it's anything that gives a little bit of spice to this part of the season can't be bad. Oh, it, I just, I just don't want them to overeg no, it and, I, I and you know, I, you know, strangle the goose. Like, for all Adam Silver coming out as an absolute fucking psychotic conservative this week, um, what weird like, white lawyer with money is conservative? Yeah, yeah. shock me. I, I just don't know whether um, uh, who, who was he? Who was he? Fucking. Anyway, I, I, I just didn't need a soliloquy about American follow, foreign policy on an, on an NBA uh, news feed. Um, oh, now I've completely lost lost where I was going. Um, America, America's weird about their role in the world. Actually, I, I did want to raise something about this, right? Because I was, I was listening to you and Adam talk about, you know, I'm how, sorry. how some of the players are getting butthurt about other teams running up scores, right? But yeah. Which has continued to be a narrative to the point where they're talking about how can we take this out for next year? And I'm like, no, no, play defense, yeah. fucking, but, just fucking play defense. They, they just, stop, they stop. Just what is this bullshit? Like, Succession was the most popular show in the States last year. 
That show is about grinding your opponent into the dust and spitting on him and calling him all sorts of nasty words. There's no oh, it's don't, about running up the score. Don't, don't take a layup in the last two seconds because it's disrespectful. Like, what is American capitalism an actual thing? Because this sounds like bloody private yeah, but school. There's a difference between American capitalism and schoolyard basketball attitude. Yeah. I think that's the thing. It's not about capitalism. It's about you're embarrassing me right now. You're humiliating me as a man. And it's more about American ideas of masculinity. That's really what this comes down to. And it's not a problem for white Europeans. It's not a problem for white Australians because they'll be like, fuck, I should have just played better. But it's it's a very specific issue around the fact there's a particular element to their masculinity which which relates around pride and, and humiliation and those sorts of elements. Um, Did I say anything cancelable there? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Any other in season like the the, the Lakers really killed. There was actually other basketball being played too. Yeah, which was, yeah. Which was um, good. The in season regular season tournament. It's funny that that like the the. The, the teams that got bounced, right, all the teams that have gotten bounced. <laughs> all of who get to play tomorrow in, like, 47,000 games. Yeah, is, like, you know, the questions that, like, everyone's like, oh, the Celtics are the best team. And no. Like, I, how? Why? Why are they the best team? Is, is Porzingis going to last three rounds, four rounds? Because they're not it the same. It didn't last long enough they're, to win this tournament, let alone the one at the end of the that's year. The, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, the first time you actually got a game of consequence where you need him, he's not there. Um, exactly no, right. I, and the Pacers just went and did their fucking scoring off every baseline out of bounds play. And the Suns still can't finish a game. There's like, they are particularly bad in fourth quarters. And they did it again against the Lakers, you know, bogus timeout notwithstanding. Um, I did like the fact that yet again, the Lakers got a dodgy ref call to beat the Suns in a playoff game. It is like the 2000s yeah, are back, I'm baby. Not, I'm not it's as glorious. Much a fan of that. Thanks. Weird. Are the Suns one of your team this year or, or, or one of mine? Well, exactly. I'm the one who stands to lose, you know, monetarily from this. But, you know, it is it is interesting to see that, that narrative continues. The fucking dubs are cooked, like properly cooked. So they needed they needed like a super mega fourth quarter Steph performance to fart past a Blazers team that was down Brogdon, Jeremy Grant, and DeAndre Ayton. So I've got a question for you, right? Why is Kerr copying so much heat, and some of it might be actually warranted. Like, he just might not be the right coach for this next iteration of the side, and Bob Myers obviously felt like he wasn't the front office person for the next iteration of this side and bounced. It's interesting, isn't it? Kerr had a theory, which which he relayed through Monica McNutt, that that his young'uns haven't had a really good chance to develop because the team has always been on a war footing. It's always been trying to win. They haven't been able to essentially let them fuck up and learn from their fuck-ups, which is what Minnesota got to do and what OKC got to do and all the rest of it. I don't know. How do you – as yeah, a coach – I think that's a cop-out. I, I think in, in an 82-game season, you've got plenty of time to experiment. Kind of felt like that too. And you've got the fucking – you've got a G League team down the road. You know, there's – I think it's more just that they made some shit picks. Yeah. That Kaminga and Moody well, and Wiseman – and in their defence, you know, a lot of those were made – in that year that it was easy to make shit picks because it was the COVID year when you just didn't have fucking data. Yeah, ex- but they've just they've picked they've picked badly. Except the the one thing that I've said for oh, I don't know the last five or six years of this podcast is if you're going to pick a big guy, he can't be a project guy. Like he, you can have like you not you, if you're the Dubs. We don't have time for you've projects. You've got to have zero. Qu- like he's basically got to be prime shack ready to go, right? 
Um, he, he almost yeah. needs to be like a three or four year um, college veteran. And Aiton, this is this is the thing I didn't quite get was that when the picks they made were were reaches in a lot of cases, and you're like, no, you need people who are ready to go right now. You needed to do like the equivalent of what the Heat do when they when they drafted Jaime Jaquez. That's a guy who's ready to play NBA basketball today, yesterday, six months ago. James Wiseman may never be ready to play NBA basketball. No. I know it's not the same position, but it's the same kind of idea. You go for the the dude who is much closer to a finished article. Maybe maybe it's their th- they've played three years of college. Maybe they've already gone and done pro shit. Um, not dudes who, who played like a season in the fucking G League or the overtime elite or some shit. And if if you're not if you're not sure, right? Like that was a year you could have traded down to six and taken Halliburton, like. He could have got six and who people knew was good, but again, they did not want to fucking draft a, a guard because they didn't want to hurt the feelings of their existing guards. Yeah, and that has bitten them in the ass. Like, Otherwise, they could have got some extremely good guards in yeah. that draft or wings, like yeah, you know. But just don't draft, don't draft a center top five unless it's like women Yarma or Chet. <laughs> and yeah, like oh, I don't know. I just like the 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 yeah. um uh. The the Suns pick just still kill, kills me. Like you know, you just you just don't draw. Which you one? Don't draft Josh a center Jackson. that's got question marks at number one ever, 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 ever. Yeah, ever. that was an owner pick. That was a, that was a sure. function of the guy who's spending all the money. You know, he had feelings. Um, it's a shame. It's a real shame. But I mean, the Suns got there in the end. It's it's just more that claiming that you know it's because we're too good that our that our young players didn't turn out any good just seemed like a little bit fucking right. Yeah. Luca managed to rack a 29-point triple-double in a half, which I thought was a pretty good performance. Yep. I, I, I don't know what Rick Carlisle thought about that one. What I did like was that he got interviewed after the game and said, yeah, we we realised we, we talked about ourselves and we said, we really can't fuck around. We have to go and I'm like, this is a live interview, my friend. One thing I didn't realise until after the game was that Dante Exum started that game. That was his first start. And he, he got seven assists and played really yeah. well. So, um, and they won by 50, which is a lot. Although, uh, Will Hardy's description of the game sounded more like a review of our podcast. He called it a masterpiece of dog shit. <laughs> there's some funny, there's some funny young coaches in the league. Um, it's hard to be funny after you've been cooked by 50, but you the, know. The, the OKC Dallas game was the one that flipped me out the other day where OKC were cruising. Which Adam pointed this out, like twenty three points is nothing today. Because then Dallas went on a a that, that uh, was the game they came back twenty six points run and then still managed to lose the game. Yeah, that's exactly the you know, the game we were talking about last week. That was like, what even are we doing here? The rubber the rubber banding on this game is nonsense. Yeah. It doesn't make any fucking sense at all. But, but actually, just just to go back on on the Celtics and the Celtics not necessarily being sort of all that they're being pushed out to be. I thought the the most telling moment was like their backcourt is getting you know a huge amount of props and somewhat rightly so for being a very good defensive backcourt you know that they have some good stopping guards and I think this is probably more an indication of where you spend your money and which will make you very happy that you know d- defense is sort of not really worth spending your money on him anymore because that's the one of the best backcourts in the league and the Pacers still put a nine zero run on them. With not much effort at all, like you know, for a young, I think, I think that if a team locks in with shooting, it doesn't matter how good yeah. your fucking backcourt is in defensively. It, that's the thing is that when you put all the sliders up to offense, 
that if you suddenly hit all your numbers on offense, I mean, pretty much like, like the Bucks against the um, the Knicks in the latter half of their quarterfinal, they just kept hitting those threes. And in the end, they, they put 140-odd points on them. It wasn't necessarily the Knicks played badly. It was just that they happened to hit them all in sequence. And they were not those were not shots that the, the Bucks hit today against against the Pacers, hence why the Pacers beat yeah. them. I mean, Dame, essentially, I think Dame got three points in the final quarter, whereas normally he is a terrifying monster who eats people's souls. Yeah, it was a little bit of uh, like watching the guys that have grown up on Dame and Steph, you know, and they're like, oh, well, we know that this can be done because we've watched it Yeah, happen. but there is a lot of randomness to that yeah, as well. Yeah, for sure. There is a lot of like just so, so it sometimes works and it sometimes doesn't. That's the nature of three-point shooting. What other re- overreactions can we have from this week? The Rockets are good. Have they won an away game yet? Uh, they only win away games, don't they? No, I think they've only oh, won home. They only, I don't think they've won away games. They only yet. win home games. Oh, it's either one or the other. Yeah. Yeah, they are 9-1 <laughs> at home, 9-8 yeah. away, and they are 9-9, nine and nine, and a very solid 10th place. Look, 9-9, nine nine, if you'd said 9-9 nine nine before the start of the season, like we, we were sort of, you know, hey, they've got some adults For in Houston, the room, yeah. they've got a proper coach, they'll be a lot better. But I think 9-9 well, nine nine's above where we expected them to be. I mean th- – They've got a coach who's a proper something. I mean, he's. If anybody ever doubted what kind of energy Ime Adoka brings to the workplace, he's out here calling LeBron a bitch and all the rest of it. I'm like, son, I can see why you got in trouble with Hajar. Yeah. (laughs) Then again, someone pointed out that like 15 years before, LeBron had dunked on him pretty much on the same day. So, uh, you know. Keep that same energy and, and you know remember all your all the people who've ever slighted you in the past. Um, so the Rockets having a little bit of a run. The Magic have suddenly started tripping over their own dick, but I suspect that will only be like a temporary arrangement. The Bulls are good. The Bulls keep winning yeah. without Zach Levine, which is something they should get used to because that's going to be the way it's going to be. He's injured right through the um the, that kind of quasi trade deadline when everybody. Everybody got signed this year is available for trade, and I suspect he'll never play another game in a Bulls jersey, which is probably best for everybody involved. Yeah, they're, they're a weird team. They're like in that that sub Hawks zone where, like, you know the the Hawks got the Hawks did the professional coach thing and and have good role players and everything, and it just doesn't seem to, they're still sort of average. No, no, I've sort of come to the conclusion that there's nothing you can do to Atlanta to make them professional. They are just an unserious basketball team, and I suspect it's just Trey Young. He's just an unserious. If your lead, if your star is unserious, your basketball team will be unserious, and and you'll be permanently nine and eleven or or the metric equivalent. So, it's so. I just I just don't trust them, and I don't see where, where where their path to being better than what they are is going to be. So Zion for Trey Young. I don't think you want to put Zion somewhere. Else in the south where the food is, still yeah, good. you want to take him away from the strip clubs. Is that what you're you want to send him somewhere where you can only get like vegan crepes or somewhere? Maybe you can go to Portland because that's where they because when he was rehabbing, they sent him up to Portland. Allegedly, that was for his foot, but I suspect it was to get him off the fucking pies. Yeah, yeah, I, I was joking with one of my players from from State Cup who is incredibly talented but struggles to uh control his eating and and doesn't like training at all. And I said. Are you the um the Zion? It wasn't of touch- me, folks. I don't I don't play for the Philippines. Are you the Are you the Zion of touch football, or is Zion the Allen of the you know the NBA? And he's like, man, if 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 I made Zion money, I'd hire my like I'd buy my own KFC, <laughs> just have just have one in my house. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's the thing. I mean, it's 
at the end of the day, we're all human, and if someone gives us a huge pile of money, yeah, and we know that we want to do stuff with it, right? To earn this pile of money by being just about good enough, and we can still indulge all our all our um, all our vices. Yeah. And why does James Harden pour so much money through the fucking strip clubs? Why does Barnes and Stephen Jackson smoke so much fucking weed? Because they could, yeah. you know, they could do that and get away with it. It's kind of. You know, it, it takes a certain kind of dude to kind of have all that ability to indulge all of your base fucking impetus and deny yourself that in order to – I mean, that's kind of what um, – I heard the first episode of, of Mello's new podcast because Carmelo Anthony has a podcast with the kid Miro, formerly of the Bodega Boys, and he was talking about how the, the main thing that makes – Apart from talent, the main thing that differentiates Bron from everybody else is just discipline. The fact that he won't, he won't indulge any of that shit if it gets in the way of him being the best. Yeah. Um, and look, I'm the sort of person who knows that if I had LeBron's ability, I'd be much, much more likely to end up down the Zion path of, of eating the pies and drinking the beer. And- well, we we, to- we talked about that with with Wemby, right? Is that he's got yeah. lots of talent, lots of physical gifts, but also has the work ethic. And that, at the moment, that's sort of that's sort of unfair in that you know you sort of rely on the guys that have all the physical gifts and talents to get lazy with it because they don't have to do the work, <laughs> you know. That, and that's that that is sort of the the arrangement that normally happens. Well, yeah, but the situation with Wemby's it's going to get more difficult for him because he's got another two years of losing in front of him, yeah, and it's going to become. I don't know. He's constantly going to be. Well, he's certainly got at least one year of horrible losing in front of him, and teams don't tend to flip, you know, overnight. Yeah, it's, I reckon ne- next year they might be a five hundred team. It's interesting that they they can the Sohan experiment this week and put Trey. Yeah, put they Jones do. Back but I think the they were line. they wanted to give that the best possible chance because they thought let's be super big, or they thought let's keep losing and get another fucking pick. But they're not they're not going to be good until twenty twenty six. And by good, I mean over 500. And even in this West, they kind of have to wait for some of the teams that are there, like perhaps the Clippers or the the Warriors, some of those teams that are hanging in with aging stars, wait for them to fade out, mm. for them to actually make a serious run at anything that it, that that resembles contention for a, a postseason run. So he is – it's going to be a little bit of a challenge, and I suspect he'll breeze through it because he seems to have that kind of mentality, but this will be the next challenge he has is – how do you keep yourself dedicated to that path when everything is fucking, you know, the, when you're surrounded by mediocrity and failure, yeah, well, which is what they're going to be? I, I, They've lost 15 in a row. I had two days of getting touched up and <laughs> and, and feeling- What do you mean you've had two two days of failure and mediocrity? You've been on this podcast for eight years. <laughs> yeah, but what not, the fuck are you talking not, about? Yeah, I guess that's every week. But but, but it's, only, it's only for like an hour yeah, a week. Yeah, but like, you know, I had t- two days of- or, or probably five games of losing where I wasn't, you know, I didn't think I was particularly coaching well and I was frustrated with players not doing what I wanted them to do and stuff like that. And it's like, it's fucking exhausting. So you were it, coaching like us. It, it, and you were, and what did you need an ass coach for? <laughs> but, but it's exhausting, right? It really is. I wouldn't know um, I've never failed at anything. I, I can't imagine doing it as your job professionally and just like having to be that professional and, and, like there would be days where you just feel like getting up and going, fuck, I don't feel like I don't feel like it. You know, damn, we got Giannis tonight. I don't really feel like losing by thirty. But you gotta roll up and and like learn the lessons. Getting right? out of bed and knowing that everything you're gonna be going to do is a failure for the next three years, that sounds like my postdoc. Um, 
But enough about me. The Sixers needed 50 from Embiid to get past the Wizards, and the Grizzlies needed pretty much 50 from Bean to beat the Pistons. It seems like the teams at the arse end aren't that willing to continue to lose like 15 games in a row. Yeah. And the, the Spur, for all the shit we've just spread on the Spurs, they were in the contest all night against the Timberwolves um, the night before last when they played this. So even though those terrible bottom three teams that have between them won eight games between the Washington, Detroit, and San Antonio, eight games out of sixty, I've got two of the I've got two of those three teams. So. Yeah, that that'd be why you're last yeah. in, the, in the tipping comp. But I'm sure Adam would would like to explain that in great detail because he seems to be really enjoying this for some reason. Uh-huh. This is lording out. I think about half half the episode last week was just him talking about how he was enjoying getting double blacked or something, which I'm sure was a. I don't think that's a search term you need to use on the internet. But anyway, he's going to lose, and it's be quite funny. What else is there? The Mavs sale. We haven't got your call, your thoughts on that Mavs sale. I've heard a lot of fucking views, like Cuban selling 75% of his team. My view was all it was that this looks a lot like the inverse situation of the Man United situation where uh, the owners of Man United aren't that interested in the sporting side of things, which, you know, obviously if you've seen the Man United play in the last 15 years, that seems quite obvious, or at least the last 10 years. Uh, so they've sold a bit to somebody else who actually does care about the sporting thing. So they've just put the sporting stuff in their charge. In this situation, it's kind of the reverse. But again, it's Cuban who cares about the sport. So they've gone, okay, we're just here to make money. You do the sporting shit. As long as it's a basketball team, we don't really give a fuck. They might have wanted to check whether um, uh, Cuban was actually good at the sporting stuff before they signed that contract. But they've essentially, I mean, they've, they've essentially played. They're better than they were when he bought it. Yeah. I mean, they've won it. made two finals and won one. So that's, that's something. Um, they've essentially played. Paid three billion dollars for a casino license, right? Essentially, but the thing, the elephant in the room here, it's not legal to run a casino in Texas, and this is going to require the Texas state legislature to legalize yeah, gambling. So they're betting on they're betting on the, the 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 laws changing like it has in quite a few states, which is probably not but, unreasonable. But this has been on the ballot a few times in Texas, and they keep saying no. So mm. this feels like. At the at the very least, it's a long term. It's, it's play. a big bet. It's a well, ironically so. You think casino people will be across that? Um, yeah. Well, yeah. L- like casinos, maybe they have a little bit of inside information. You would like to think so. It's not like casino operators have the reins of power in any particular state that we could describe. Uh, any anywhere close to either of where we grew up? Oh, I have. Oh, oh, we need to wrap this podcast up and get to the next section. I have music news. I didn't. I don't think we did. We do breaking music news. I didn't think that was a thing. <laughs> you suddenly discovered you fucking hated one of the albums. Um, uh, all right. The only thing I wanted to say that wasn't NBA was that that watching watching Spurs, uh, the real Spurs, not fucking San Antonio, with big ends. It's like it's like Victorian signal box fucking levers that makes the the train track change. It's like wrenching one of those forwards and backwards from it's so fucking over to we're so fucking back. You're just wrenching it like it's a bulwark or a rowing machine from the eighties because they beat um they got a fourth free win in midweek and then they lost two one to West Ham. Um, but he's still uh, the best of Australian coaching and uh, just just in terms of vibes, he's he's. Uh, He's certainly projecting what 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 it should mean to be a coach out there. And when he gets fired in three months, we'll have to remember yeah, that. I wish I'd get his payout when I get fired. That's true, but you you don't have you don't get 
clipped up with your little, you know, words of wisdom and sort of say, yeah, mate, this is nothing. Fucking, you know, trying to work through jobs where you got the fucking ass out your pants. Yeah, that's actually fucking hard work. You can't fucking fuck off. This is a piece of piss. Yeah, every manager's either going to be fired or has been fired, so fuck it. This is all right. Uh, That's pretty much verbatim what he said in a most recent press conference, and massive respect to him because he knows exactly what yeah, he's there yeah, to do. That's right. Which is he, he, do like, a good job, the, and then get, he will the, get fired. The, the Will Anderson Russell Crowe thing. He knows the game. He knows how it's played. And I'm not. And yes. I'm not talking about the actual game on the pitch. I'm talking about the other game. Yeah. All right. And at least we know the Russell Crowe's band's a fucking pile of shit. Yeah. Well, I don't think he's coming on this podcast. All right. No, or, or anything with friends or Rom's uh, hosts. Nothing's going on. Nothing's going on. Lindsay McDougall's drive time show on ABC Illawarra. Um, thanks, Doc. All right. Always, always happy to be a guest on the Balls Podcast. But you and Adam. Well, host. if you'd turn up the fucking production meetings, we wouldn't have this issue. <laughs> All right, dude. I'll catch you on the All flip right. side. Cheers, man. See ya. I'm outside, so you're going to hear a large cock in a second. I can't even be bothered to do the joke. <laughs> I'm just giving you grist for the mill for the outro.